I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome to this special edition of All Things Catholic. In this week's episode, I'm so excited to take you to a pub, to the basement of a pub in Sydney, Australia, and share with you an amazing story about how the light of the gospel can penetrate the thickest of darkness in our secular age. You know, sometimes we can wonder if there are certain situations where we just kind of give up hope. Do you ever do this? You just go, I just don't know if the gospel message can really reach there. You know, maybe it's a situation at a school or a parish, or maybe it's a family member or a friend or a co-worker, and we just think they're never going to listen. They're they're, they're just too far lost, and they're they're way beyond the reach of the gospel. We can sometimes fall into a little bit of despair. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with a great story about an awesome apostle that you may have heard of. It's based here in the United States. They're also there in Australia. It's called The Culture Project, where they're doing great work with young people and sharing the gospel in very secular situations. Uh, when I was in Australia this last year, I was blessed to give a talk at this pub downtown in Sydney uh, for The Culture Project. It was awesome. We, we packed the place with, I think there were a couple hundred people there. They, they, they had to close the doors for fire codes to not let them come in. All these young people coming in, young adults from all over Sydney, to hear about the theology of the body. And it was so encouraging to see so many young people looking for a different view about love and sexuality and relationships. And while I was there, I got to meet again uh, someone who's become a friend. She's the head of the Culture Project there in, in Sydney. Her name is Frances Hopkins. And she's going to share about her amazing work really doing hardcore evangelization in places that you might think are just hopeless and yet seeing tremendous fruit, lives being changed, responding to the message of God's love for them. So let's listen to this great interview that took place down in the basement of that pub in Sydney. Welcome to the special edition of All Things Catholic. I'm Edward Sree here in Sydney, Australia at Two Wolves Pub right downtown. And I've just finished giving a presentation for the Culture Project. It was a gathering of about 100 plus young adults that came out to hear about theology of the body and love and responsibility. But I'm here to talk with you. Uh, about a great uh, program here called Culture Project in Australia. It's in the United States. But with me here is Frances Hopkins, who's the head of the Culture Project initiative here in Sydney. And she does a lot of amazing work uh, engaging the culture, particularly young adults in a very secular age. You know, we in the United States know that we have many challenges in a relativistic secular world. But here in Australia, like other parts of the modern Western world, it's much more secular than the United States. And I would like to just uh, introduce you to the great work she's doing to help us understand the mindset of especially young people from a secular culture and how we go about and engage them. So Francis, thank you for being here with us. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about what you experience here. So you've been doing this work for about three years now here in Sydney. What are some of the challenges you see with especially young people and their views of life and mm. love and religion? What, what, what are the challenges here? Mm. There's a lot of challenges out there. I think really for them, the biggest one is this ache of knowing that they are worth love or what love even is. And it's so confusing out there. And they've tried a lot of different things. And I think it's kind of really a despair um, that's out there of like, well, maybe love doesn't exist. Maybe it's just how good I can feel in the moment. Maybe it's just going to change tomorrow or be different the next day. And I think really for them it's that ache of like, does love exist? And then am I actually worth love? 
So how do you go out and meet them? How do you get them to even think about that there might be another possibility? Yeah, uh, my favourite thing to do is to meet people and to ask questions um, and just to share stories. And one way I've really seen this happen is we take a team of young people up to the Gold Coast in Australia. So it's on the beach. And for us, it's so what we do when our school leavers leave. They call it schoolies. And so you get, like, all your mates together and you head up there and there's thousands of young people. And basically they hit up the beach, they have mad festivals, but it's just drug, sex and alcohol for a whole week. And so you go up there with a team to talk about authentic love. And so I'm, wait, wait, let's say, so you're yeah. going out on the beach and all these people are in the midst of their partying and <laughs> drugs and alcohol and, and how, how do you approach them? How yeah. do you even get a conversation started? So I asked them, I'm like, hey, like I'm doing a bit of a, like a questionnaire on the beach today. I'm like, can I ask you a question? What is love? And they'll be like, oh, love is puppies. It might be donuts. It might be that feeling that you get. I'm like, what's like a great love story that you've heard in your life? Like maybe it's a book you read. Maybe it's your grandparents. Like what's something that you've heard in your life? And from there, we'll share stories and ask questions and get back to sacrificial love. But I remember talking, like, on my third day, I was like, maybe it's possible that they don't want to hear what I say. Maybe they're not interested in this. Like, maybe maybe they're quite happy with it. And there's thousands of young people on this beach, right? Just thousands. And so you have to be a little bit discerning on who you talk to. I was walking down the beach and there's these two boys on my left and they're like smoking, wearing like, you know, death metal T-shirts, satanic symbols. And then to my right, there's two girls. I was like, oh... I'll talk to the girls about love because, you know, like, girls are easy to talk about love. <laughs> and there was this voice in me being like, deny me no one. So I was like, what the heck? So I sat down with these boys and I was like, hey, guys, where are you from? They're from, like, middle of nowhere called Plainsland, legit. And I was like, guys, can I ask you a question? What is love? And they said, love is shit. And I was like, guys, like, are you passionate about something? What are you passionate about? And they're like, we're passionate about death, horror, rap, gore music. Now, I'd never heard of that genre before. I was like, guys, can you give me, like, a demo what we're talking about? And they started rapping while screaming about really horrific things, like eating aborted babies, like really horrific things. And I was like, guys, like, what the heck? Like, oh, yeah, we're really countercultural. Everything the world's telling us, like, it's not right. You know, like, it's just all BS. Like, we're really countercultural. I was like guys, I'm really countercultural too. And like, no way. And I was like, look, I've been getting death threats since I was 14. And they're like, that's dope. And so I sat down (laughs) and for the next five hours, just answered and asked questions with these boys all about what is love? What is life? When does life begin? What is the purpose of life? Um, one, and they're like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, they had really tough lives. Like, one of their dads committed suicide when they were two. The other one, his best mate, overdosed on ice when he was 14. Like, they had really seen it all. And they were asking things like, well, about child pornography? One of our mates really wrestles with it, but he watches it with his girlfriend, so is that okay? Like, these boys had really big questions. And so we talked for hours, and at the end of it, they said, we actually have a suicide pact. These boys are 16 and 17 years old. A suicide pact. A suicide pact. So um, they're going to commit suicide at the same time together because they said all we have in this life is to be happy, so we're going to be as happy as we can be and then we're just going to end it because why should we be here when things go wrong? Why should we be here to suffer? Why should we experience pain? All there is to be happy, so we're going to be as happy as we can possibly be and we're just going to end our lives. I was like, what about your best mate? Like, you know, he's here. And he's like, oh, no, you don't understand. Like, we're going to do it together. And so we kept talking then about life and about God. And at the end of it, they said, you've actually saved our lives that day. And I, I, you know, we exchanged details and that was it. But I got a letter written from him when he turned 18. And he was like, no, you actually saved my life that day. 
I got a phone call from him a couple of weeks back. He was just handing his last assessment at university and he was saying, hey, like we've got to like reform the adoption system here in Australia. He said so many kids are going to foster care and they're not being able to be adopted by loving parents. Like we need to start charity. We just need to do something. But for me, this has just transformed the way I view every young person that I see because sometimes we have this temptation that maybe they're not interested in authentic love. Maybe they're not interested in this, but they are because that's what their hearts were made for. So what happened in that conversation that these people that were talking about eating aborted babies and love is just nothing. Like, how, what do you think changed in them? Did you notice a change that, that even that afternoon when you talked mm-hmm. to them, or did it, is it something that just kind of came later when they contacted you that you noticed a change in them? There was definitely a change um, while we're talking, especially even in around abortion. Like, we had a whole conversation. Like, well, look, if my girlfriend got pregnant, then what would we do? And sometimes they're able to admit the change then and there. One of them was. He was like, Yeah, no, I totally see the importance of human life. And it was just through sharing stories and asking questions and letting them come to that understanding on their own. And I think that's a beautiful thing when you ask questions is they're not arguing yourselves anymore. Sorry, not arguing with you, they're arguing with themselves. And so I think a lot happened after the fact as well. But to be honest, I think the biggest thing for them was having someone look at them and look them in the eye and be like, no, you are worth more than what the world is telling you. And you're right that the world is lying to you. And you're right that there's going to be something more. And just be able to untwist what has been twisted. And I think it's just being able to journey with them and just be able to, like, yeah, delve into their hearts and be like, oh, my gosh, like, what you want is something more. And that's right. But the way we're going about it, is that actually satisfying? Or is it still leaving you hungry? Do you still want more? And is there more? And can there be more? And what I've seen even with our ministry throughout schools is like some, especially coming from really broken homes, maybe their parents are drug addicted, maybe they're in a foster home, whatever they're facing. But what these kids keep saying is like, we've never had anyone look at us the way you do. To be able to look us in the eyes with love. And like, for me, it's heartbreaking that this complete stranger that I may have only met in a presentation of 45 minutes hasn't had anyone look at them with love. And so I think it's an incredible opportunity in this darkness of our culture, even though there's so many things we're facing that we can go out there with love to listen, to ask stories, sorry, to ask questions and share stories and just journey with people because what we have is what they're made for. They're made for this authentic love. And they just may have never had anyone share that with them. So tell me, what are some of the principles of Culture Project and what the the larger initiative, both here in Australia Mm. and in the States and other places, what, what is it trying to do? We're trying to restore the culture one heart at a time. And basically we have this big dream of a world where every human being knows that they are loved and that they are valued and the only way to treat any other human being is with love and respect and never to use them or reduce them to an object emotionally or physically. We do this through two pillars of human dignity and sexual integrity. So human dignity, our own self-worth and our value from that first moment of conception to natural death and sexual integrity, our relationships, like how we interact with other people. And basically we have a world vision, big dream of a world where we can build that for every human person. Doing that through our missionary program, so we're based on Benedictine spirituality, so that's daily mass and daily holy hour of prayer, living in community with our boys' house and our girls' houses, ongoing formation in theology of the body, bioethics, and there's all overspilling into our work of encountering these hearts in schools, in youth groups, and universities across the country. So you have three full-time missionaries here and a lot of other people helping part-time and volunteering yes. here in Australia. And back in the States, roughly how many people are there doing the, the work of, as missionaries of the Culture yes. Project? Yes, they've got a team in Toledo, a team in Philadelphia, and a team in LA. So we've got a beautiful team of missionaries out there as well as a great support staff based in Philadelphia. 
it sounds like, you know, you mentioned Benedictine spirituality, but when I hear you talk about the commitment to human life, mm. the dignity of human life, and I hear you talking about love, authentic love, self-giving, and, and, and never being used, I hear mm. JP too in this. Yeah. He's got to be a big figure here. <laughs> oh, right? he totally is. He's <laughs> definitely uh, the spiritual father of the culture project is St. John Paul the Great. And it's really taking up the amazing gift he's given us. Like, he's given us, like, an amazing antidote for our world and to build a culture of life and it's basically just breaking that open in a way that our young people can access and understand well thank you so much for all you're doing thank you for being on here the show how do people learn more about the culture project so you can check us out on facebook um, instagram and twitter so you can check out both the culture project in the states and the culture project australia through all the social media Okay, well, Francis Hopkins is here in Sydney, and it's been a blessing. We got to meet each other last year when I was touring here, and we got to be in some meetings with some, some people here, and I've just been so impressed at the work that you're doing and the leadership. I would be praying for you, and I, I'm going to ask my listeners, please pray for the Culture Project. Mm-hmm. They're really doing amazing things, reaching out to young people. You heard just one story here of this, this these two guys, young high school kids in their teens that... We're, we're very much deeply affected by the witness of the Culture Project, and that's just one of thousands of lives that have been touched by them. So we'll be praying for you. Please support the Culture Project Thank and uh, keep listening here on All Things Catholic. Thanks so much, and God bless.